Welcome to episode 327 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 327 of I Am Talk with Coach Sean Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. It's going to be a funny show this week, isn't it's it? It's going to be the beginning of the marathon epics. Well, it's kind of beginning, but before it actually happens, isn't it? Exactly. Because we've recorded this show, what's the date today, John? It is the 24th of August. 24th of August. And we're actually doing last week's show on Tuesday coming up. Mm-hmm. And then this week's show will come up... Oh, the week after. Oh, it's all go, isn't it? So what day will that be? That will be like the... Oh, it's October there, John. It'll be like the, the 4th. 4th of September. There we go. So welcome to the 4th of September. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know how to leave that on? No. You go to your settings. John's got himself an iPad team. He turns up today, he's got an iPad, <laughs> and he's gone all high-tech on me. Go to your settings. Oh, am I going to come back to this page, though? Well, when you go to Safari, you all. Yep. 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 Go to your settings. settings. Just teaching John about the iPad. Yep. And go to um, general, go to auto-lock. There we go. And then click on never. Oh, yep. And then you have to turn off when you... Anyway, that's great podcasting. It is great podcasting. It's a great start to the month of legendary podcasts. Yeah. John's on his iPad. So anyway, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofwhy.com. We'll be talking about these guys a lot over next month. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Extreme lactic buffer, that's what it is, John. I'm losing my voice. Oh, no. It's going to be tricky considering we're doing about four hours <laughs> podcasting now. Do you know the problem is? What's the problem? When I teach classes, I think I'm a rock star. Mm-hmm. And I start, well, I think mm. in that moment I am. Mm-hmm. But then I sing and then it kills me the next day. So, mm. anyway, um, so over the next month, what's going to be happening, John? So, basically, um, we're pre recording the shows and we're just going to have a, a short bit of news at the start of each show, um, sort of outlining what races are coming up. Obviously, there won't be any results because we won't be uh, pre recording. We're having a, an age group of the week most weeks. Uh, we've got an interview each week and then we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. You know, the build up to Kona starts now. And what I thought it might be quite kind of cool to do, and we'll see how it rolls, and we may delete this after the first, uh, first show, but <laughs> I thought we'd look back at basically the history of Kona and, and who won from the very beginning and, and, and I'll try to give my little spin on it on the, the days that I remember seeing and uh, we'll just see how it goes it, I think it'll be kind of cool to see we know who won Kona most years but it'll be kind of cool to see who finished second and third quite often tell you what if you, if you do like that stuff make sure you listen to the Legends of Triathlon because we've got um, some really good podcasts around it now by now you would have known that this month's Legends of Podcast I mean Legends of Triathlon podcast is Mark Allen mm. so and we had a really good and it was a great interview with Mark actually because Traditionally, if you hear an interview of Mark Allen, it's pretty much him telling his Kona story. And in this interview, we go we go deeper, don't we? Well, we just tried to – I didn't try to avoid it, but I didn't want to spend um, copious amounts of time talking about what was an incredibly significant moment for him when he discovered his spirituality and in terms of connecting with the island. And and uh, and it's really you know formed, I guess, the rest of his life. But we've heard that story before, and we just tried to go – to the other places and find out about other events and training and a bit of other sort of life stuff. So no, I was I was pleased what we did. You yeah, know, it was really good. So if you want to check that out, go to legendsoftriathlon.com or on iTunes at Legends of Triathlon. So anyway, in this week's show, we're going to start off with some news. We've got news from, um, what have we got in this week's show? We've got news, age group, website of the week, John's history lesson, and we've got an interview with 
Barry Siff, and uh, he's in the news at the moment because he's recently joined up with the Hits Triathlon Series, going to be the front man for that, and uh, a guy with a lot of experience in race directing. Also a guy we're going to be uh, obviously interviewing today, we haven't done it yet, but he's also one of those guys, a bit like Mike Plant, he's been around for a long, long time, so he knows how the sport's evolved, and he also used to own um, one of the races in Boulder, he sort of lives in Boulder, so that really the heartbeat of, I guess, almost worldwide triathlons, so we'll see how that goes, we haven't done it yet. Okay, then, uh, so news, proudly brought to you by slstry.com, and we're going to talk about the races that are coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman Wisconsin coming up, and uh, your thoughts. Why don't you try to find, see if you, this is going to be a test to see if Ironman Wisconsin has a pro start list on their website, while I talk about some of the other races, uh, we'll see if we can, if they're promoting their pros. Okay. So, all these races now, all the Ironman races that are coming up over the next weeks, uh, basically go towards the 2013 Kona qualification, so the, the qualification now is cut off. It cut off at the end of August, and uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to talk about the who's in, who's out. We'll, we'll try to do that last week. Well, we pretty much based it on results last week, weren't we? We can, we uh, no, this weekend's the last weekend of oh, Wisconsin. We're, is... we're, we're all confused with our dates. <laughs> it's the fourth of September today, and last weekend was the last week of racing. So, anyway, um, Wisconsin's counting towards the next season's race. You won't see many of the the big Kahuna's there because they'll all be preparing for. For Kona, um, we've also got in Canada the first of the late season Canadian races. You've got the Espirit in Montreal. You've got Iron Basque in uh, France. One race that really doesn't get a lot of coverage, but the Almere Triathlon in Holland. And that is really one of the races where the sport in Europe really sort of found its roots. It's been around for a long, long time. A lot of legendary athletes have been there. Flat course um, can be quite windy, but uh, one of the great races on the circuit. This is a race that I found on k226.com, the bake, the, the Bear Lake Brawl, Bevan. Wow, so Would you like fun. to be a part of the Bear Lake Brawl? Yep. Well, I'm afraid you can't be this year. <coughs> oh, okay, sorry. Because they, they postponed their iron distance race, but it's coming back next year, and they've had, they're having a half and an uh, and, uh, Olympic there this year. You've got the Iron Duct in, uh, in Norway, which is basically sounds like an unorganised Ironman. You know, you sort of just rock up and, and do it. Yep. And then one that I did want to talk about a little bit is the Rev 3 in uh, Ohio, Cedar Point, Ohio, because these guys are bloody, man, they're, they're doing a good job in terms of all the things that we often talk about, promoting the pros. Um, they go onto their website, and they've basically got 100 grand up for... Um, for Rev 3? 100 grand up for the series winner. Wow. Richie um, Cunningham. <coughs> Richie Cunningham. Monday. Tuesday. Happy days. So Richie Cunningham's currently leading the rankings. Um, significantly. By significantly from Jesse Thomas and Victor Semensev. Um And then on the girls' side, I think you've got Nicole Kelleher, Lauren Gross, and. 100 McCullough. grand. Yeah. Great. Uh, um, so, series. Oh, final series bonus payouts 25 grand first, sorry. Okay. 12 for second, 8 for third. Three for fourth and f- what's the paydays like in normal races? Like if you want a, a referee, yeah, is it all relative? They're not too bad. Um, you know, they're often sort of around about the twenty-five k mark. So they've got different. You know, they've got a point scoring system, a bit like um, obviously most other series do. But it's just they, they go on there and they've got the list of pros and they've got links to their website, little pictures of them, just little things to try to help those pro- give those pros a little bit of profile. Um, and I'm just liking what they're doing. I'm just liking it, Bevan. John, do you know I got a problem? Yes. Well, I'm, on, I'm trying to find where you would sign up for Ironman Wisconsin. Well, you wouldn't because it's probably closed. But, oh, okay. Because the, the website on ironman.com, okay. there's not much information. 
I, I totally agree. There's 15 <laughs> weeks to the race. There's not even a link to the website. No. I guess what Bevan's, Bevan's been sitting here while I've been blaring trying away. To find, trying to find a website and I can't find a website. They've got some race recaps. They've got some older stories and training information. But they've got nothing. I wouldn't even know. If I wanted to do Ironman Wisconsin, where's the website? And then you do a Google search for Ironman Wisconsin and you only get the Ironman.com websites. You're feeling my weekly pain, Bevan. Mm, You're man. feeling my weekly pain. Mm. So... If you want to go to another race in Wisconsin on August the 12th, Rev 3 have got a series there. Their website's cool. You go on there, they've got a map of where all their races are, and they all kind of look like family-friendly places. So I just wanted to give a bit of love to Rev, because I think... How do you reckon Rev 3's going? Well, I don't know. We don't live in America, but the coverage that, I, that I've seen looks really good. The feedback that I get is, is generally pretty good. In terms of their numbers, maybe you guys can give us a bit yeah, of feedback on our Facebook that. page, you know, um, with the Rev series, with other challenge races, not necessarily the really big ones, or, or other iron distance races. Feel free to post stuff on our Facebook page. It'd be great. Yeah, because I'm interested to see, you know what, they've been around, what, three years now? Three or four years? About that, yeah. So they're obviously surviving, but... Who knows? Are they making money? Are they, you know, like it's, it looks very professional. Looks like they're doing a great job. So, got on them, and I think it's really great for our sport. So. <laughs> Your voice is screwed. <laughs> I got four hours in front of me. <laughs> Three weeks from now, you won't even hear me. <laughs> the other big race on this weekend, not nine distance, but it's the World 70.3 Champs. Good, oh, is it? Now, good old James, the wise one, Botel, sent us through the start list. I uh, probably wouldn't even come across if this if, if it wasn't for James. So, good work. This is probably what I would consider a world championship sort of field. Okay, so this is, you've got guns here, haven't you? You've got, not just a couple of guns, you've got guns all over the bloody place. Ray Lert, Alexander, Richie Cunningham, who's a bloody strong 70.3, isn't he? Yep, Timothy O'Donnell, um, but some some of the ones, oh, you see, see my, my iPad here, Bevan, it's not giving me the highlighted bits, but uh, Terenzo Bozzoni, um, interesting to see how he's going, Andy Potts, Greg Bennett, a um, couple of other ones, Sebastian, Sebastian Kuhn. Is that, is that correct pr- nah, pronunciation? We'll go Keenler. I thought it was Keenler. Uh, who knows? I thought. A um, couple of ones that I think could be interesting in there is Bevan Doherty. Oh, is he racing? racing? Yeah, with oh, his name's wow. on the start list. He, he, could, he could be pretty good at this. Do he's, you think he will be racing? Yep. No, he's, he said he's going long, so I don't know if he's definitely doing this Could race, he win it? Yeah, you definitely, definitely could win it. You know, he's as good a runner. Of course he will win it, but do you think he's going to win it? Um, kind of depends on how he's feeling post-Olympics. You know, I've, well, you got to think I'll coming off on the Olympics, he's pretty fit. I'll put him on the podium. Coming off the Olympics, you know, no. you, he would have been peak for the Olympics, obviously, mm-hmm. or you'd hope. Mm-hmm. And then, what, it's been about three weeks since the Olympics? Bit of downtime after the Olympics, bit of training again? Yeah. You think the speed he's taken to the Olympics surely has to be. And I think one of the things he will be very motivated by coming to New Zealand for the Auckland. You know, finale of the World Champs series. So I think he will be holding his fitness pretty well. So, oh, is he going to do the World Champs? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, is he? he so he hasn't retired? No, no, no. When will we retire? <laughs> you always do this. <laughs> you ask all these bloody questions like I talk to Bevan every flipping week. <laughs> you told me you ring him every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it is a spectacular Oscar field. Oscar Galenze? Um, yeah, Oscar. Uh, and then down the bottom there, we've got Farris Al Sultan. Wow, it is a great. And, is this better than Kona? Matt Lieto? Uh,. Tim no, Burkle? no, because at Coney, Coney you're going to have the majority of those guys, plus you're going to have um, Andreas Radek, plus Marino, plus you know, Maka. Um, so, but this is, I would classify this, you'd be able to call yourself a worthy world So champion. is this the first time we've had a 70.3 champs that we can actually say that? I would have thought so. Yeah, we've had, we, like most years there's a few good guys, mm. and is this just because of the change in time? Mm. I'm not sure. 
It's good. A lot of, yeah, a lot of those guys probably won't be going on to Ironman. You know, a lot of the, well, Ironman maybe not be their number one big focus. You know, guys like Andy Potts, Terenzo Bazzoni, Greg Bennett. Andy Potts isn't. Well, I don't know if his, if Kona is his be all and end all for his season. You don't think? No, well, I think he's just he's a he's a circuit racer. He oh, just reckon? goes around and he's doing the circuit and he's cranking it. I'm sure it's a high priority, but I don't know if it, he'll be going home and crying crying himself to sleep if he doesn't uh, doesn't win it. Okay, so predictions in the men's field. I will go Bevan on the podium. I will go... No, no, one, two, three. Don't okay. give me podiums. Okay, you go first. Um, I'm going to go Ray Lert. So you don't like Bevan. What have you got against Bevan? No, no, I never said he was the best. Okay. You did. Yeah, you okay. ring him every day, I don't. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go Ray Lert. I'm going to go Bevan. And then... Crowey. I'm going to go Bevan, Greg Bennett and Crowey. Oh, I'm leaving Raylord out. That's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> that's big pretty call. Big. That's a pretty big. He smashed everyone in the last twelve months. Over seven point three distance. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sticking with my guns. So you're going Bevan first. Bevan first. World champion. Yeah, Greg Bennett. It's second. actually a wise move for Bevan career wise to come and win this race because yeah. if he like sure if he wins Auckland it's all good but chances of him winning Auckland probably not that high. Gomez and and Brownies are racing now. Uh, chance of doing very very well but winning it if they're racing probably not. Did you get that email about? Brownlee's doing high V. Did we talk about that last week? We talked about that last week. <laughs> okay, didn't we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, because the thing is, Kiwis don't really know much about triathlon. We know the Olympics, general political I'm talking about here, but Bevan's a high-profile athlete in New Zealand. Mm. Lots of profile. Now, the 70.3 champs, if he wins that, he can say he's another world champion. Mm-hmm. And actually, for his PR in this country, would actually be, it would help him a lot and make a lot more money, wouldn't it? Well, I don't think he probably... I mean, yes, he cares about that, but what it could do for him in the States is massive. A lot of people in America wouldn't know have a clue who Bevan Doherty was in the triathlon field, but if he won the 70.3 world champs, they'd know who he was. Oh, you think? Totally. You got, The Americans could back me up there. I don't know. Back him up, team? The, the, the general... If you're not a triathlon junkie, if you don't follow the ITU circuit... But do you think the 70.3 has it... You know, like... Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think people really know about Trenzo but it was only after he won it a couple of years ago? I bet you... No, I wouldn't be your like, huge amount of money. But <laughs> yes. I would say in the tri- in the Ironman world, um, people who aren't ensconced in it full on have probably got a better chance of knowing Terenzo than they would Bevan in America. You're probably right. Mm. What does it say about the Olympic? What does it say about America? Americans. Don't watch enough ITU. Come on, Americans, sharp it up. Okay, then, so then we go to the girls' side of the race, and not such a big field, but still a pretty strong field. Not as strong, really, is it? Strong, but not as strong. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't doesn't get me excited, Bevan. You're not excited about the chicks? <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Halstite, who used to be Melissa Rollinson, is, is the number one seed. She's defending champ. Um, she's been injured, so who knows what she's going to do. Then you've got... Uh, she, she hasn't really done a lot lately, has she? No, because she's uh, been injured. Yeah. Um, Marinda Carfrey. She's had an indifferent season. It'll be really interesting to see how she pulls it together um, late in the season. And Meredith Kessler, who was really, you know, cranking everybody over the 70.3 distance earlier in the year. And uh, Jody Swallow, maybe. Leander Cave, maybe. Yeah. This far out from Kona, John. Mm-hmm. Who's going to win? The Kona girls. or the girls? Girls, Kona. You know, if we, if we took it back a year, everybody would just say Marinda Carfrey, wouldn't they? Oh, I don't know. I think you'd have to go Caroline Stephen, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think Stephen's probably can, the best she performer can put together, in the last 12 months. If she can put together a decent run. She hasn't really had a bad race this year, has she? No. Raced quite a bit, though. But then you think about, like, Mary Beth. She's had a great year as well. Mm-hmm. And then you got Joyce Anata. Joyce Anata. She was sharp last year. It should be a bloody good race. And Caroline really Stephen last year was injured. 
Maybe she said she was injured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, be... She could crush it. So uh, who's going to win this race? The girls' race. Yeah. Uh, I will go with. Um, I will go with Leander Cave. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. Leander Cave gave me a ride once. I know. Yeah. 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 Best friends. There you go. We're tight. Tight as tight. Remember me. Um, okay then. Uh, uh, probably put that's our news for the week, is it? It is. Maybe we should have a, a general topic we should talk about each week over these weeks. <laughs> a bit late to spring that on me now. Okay, you you, you talk about SLS and I'll find a topic to talk about. Um, I'm going to slow twitch. So guys, <laughs> so SLS, um, we've got a few leftover tri-suits. So if you want to get be looking stylish in the I Am Talk tri-suits, get in touch with me. I've got a few larges, maybe a medium, maybe one small and an extra large. So if you're keen to get one, I put a post on Facebook. I've still got a couple left over. Get in touch with me. Looking stylish, not only in SLS, but also looking stylish wearing some I Am Talk. And we've got some awesome pictures um, Victoria Murray Orr from Challenge Wanaka posted on our Facebook yeah. page um, I may have talked about this last week <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't talk about it last week okay but she posted somebody finishing in uh, at a challenge race recently Beachy, I think it was. and uh, wearing a, a bike jersey and we're loving you guys out there racing in, in, in our gear so if you want to get uh, an SLS I am Talk Try, so get in touch with me. If you want to get any SLS gear, go to slstry.com. Use the code uh, I am Talk, get 20% off anything in the shop. So check it out and get yourself ready for late season racing. slstry.com. SLS Try, mm-hmm. Brownlee versus Ray Lert, and it's 70.3. Who would win? Maybe, maybe Good, I've got no, a discussion. No, no. The discussion might be, I'm really intrigued to see how Brownlee goes on Auckland course. Let's talk about the Auckland course. Is it the discussion? The discussion is okay. the Auckland course. Okay, so the Auckland course is, so the Auckland for the world. This is the hardest course they've had since Athens. It's basically... That sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, and that I'm sucks. talking really hard. No, but I mean, but it sucks that it takes five years almost to have a hard course again. Mm. Athens was 2004, seven, oh. seven years. So there's uh, there's hard triathlons out there, but in terms of the circuit... In the hard triathlons, how does he go? Well, that's going to be interesting to see, because normally, you know, on these flat ones, he goes out there with the intimidation factor on the bike, and he's sitting on the front, and he's smacking himself silly, but I wonder how hard he's working relative to the others. Um, but he's so much better than everybody with the run that he can afford to do it. Yep. On this Auckland course, it's hilly. And so I if just, he does that, he might take it out of himself. Yeah, I'm just interested to see. I, th- I still think he'll, he'll win. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm just fascinated to see if he's as strong on the hills as he is on the flat and who can stay with him. If he, he, He's got that intimidation factor on the bike on, the, on any flat stages, um, but if he's if people can stick with him on the hills, because he could potentially, if, he's, if he acts the way that he does in flat races, right off the front and put two minutes into the field uh, on that course. It's basically hill after hill after hill, but downhill, it's a very short stretch of flat, but it's basically very technical, multiple laps. It's going to be fascinating. You should go up, Bevan. Okay. Straight, when is up, it? straight up to Kona. We get back on Thursday and I'm uh, up there the next day. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, I've got to talk through that night. So, okay, so if Brownlee was going to make Michael Ray Luton a 70.3, who would you put money on? Um, Brownlee. By Country Mall? Uh, if Ray Luton was in his top, top form, probably not, but Ray Luton hasn't showed quite the form that he had last year. But What about when he was at his peak? At his peak. John, I've got a better question. Yeah. Lessing, Brownlee, mm-hmm. Mark Allen, Legends of Triathlon this month. Mm-hmm. Who else are the real legends of the sport? 
those would be the three fastest pure athletes on of, the all best, of all time. Okay, non-drafting, mm-hmm. race against each other, mm-hmm. and their peak. Who would you give it to? I think if you on, on paper you'd have to go with Brownlee still if you looked at all his times. Mark Allen though, and for his year, it's, it's difficult. It's like comparing rugby players in different er- eras. If Mark, come Allen on, had, John, it's a great question. Yeah, well, what do you think? Well, you say Allen beats Leeson because he did in Nice. Yeah, but not a short course. Not a short course. Mm. Leeson was an animal, wasn't he? Mm. So is Brownlee. I would generally put money on Leeson over Mark Allen over Olympic distance. It, it, both in their peak? Problem yeah. is, Allen didn't sit in the peak in Olympic the whole his career, did he? No, no. So it's a little bit unfair to Mark. So then would Leeson be better than Brownlee in his peak? They're about the same. Oh, it'd be a great race, so, wouldn't it? It would be. It'd be a great race, John. It would be. I'm going to go Lessing. Good for you. Because I think Lessing, the thing is we haven't seen about Brownlee yet is he hasn't been tested. Totally. You know and what I mean? see how long his career lasts. Lessing's career, had a, he had a very long career, as did Mark Allen. And tested right to the end of their career, weren't they? Yeah. Like Mark Allen, if you listen to Legends, talks about the day with, Mom, with Lessing and uh, – Mark just knew another pain threshold, didn't he? Yeah. And it only comes with time, doesn't it? Totally. Although I'm not saying Brownlee doesn't know pain threshold, but yeah, we will be interested to see. So I'm going to say Lessing just purely because probably a bit of a tougher athlete than what Brownlee is yet at this stage. Whoa, so you're, so you're saying Brownlee's a soft guy? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Come on, Brownlee. <laughs> okay, that's uh, this week's discussion. We're going to have a discussion every week over the next four weeks. Just random crap John and Bevan talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, what we're going to talk about next? Age Group of the Week. I'll put some Age Group of Music on. Here we go. Age Group of the Week. And uh, someone sent through on Ben Shaw, as in Running Man Shaw. I have to nominate a friend called, uh, for Age Group of the Week, my, my pal called Jean Chudy. There you go, Bev. Only Chudy. Here we go. Can't wait to hear how you pronounce that one on the show. Well, we use the computer. Even though he works full-time as an officer in the U.S. Navy, he still has time to put in some truly monster training weeks and continues to show steady improvement even as he approaches the 50 to 54 age group. He recently went 444 at Vitamin 70.3 and 2010-23 at Ironman Florida last fall. What's special about Iron Gene, though, is his amazing spirit and enthusiasm and encouragement for newcomers to the sport. He's never too busy to answer a question, no matter how the newbie it seems, and has a smile and a good word to everybody he encounters. In fact, he's one of the the one who prompted me to do my first 140.6k race. He had signed up for the inaugural Ironman Texas and reached out to suggest I come and do it with him. He finished way ahead of me and was all smiles sharing race stories with everybody, most of us first-timers, all day and the next day. It was his encouragement that got me to the start line and I've ever been grateful ever since. I've never met anyone with such a love and enthusiasm for triathlon as Gene has. He keeps me getting faster uh, he keeps getting faster, and I think he's quite easily qualified for one of these Kona one of these days. I can't think of anyone else more deserving of his day in the sun at the World Championships. I mean, I know Florida's a fast course, um, but 10.23 for a 50-year-old, not too shabby. That's pretty smoking it, isn't it? Right. When you're 50, what do you reckon you'll do? Um, 8.37. Let's <laughs> no, yeah. go, go for a PP. Yeah, yeah. No, outstanding, and it sounds well, I like... Think, I think the thing is, the sport... 
you know, like I think your job, if you love a sport, your job is to get other people in your sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You do that. Oh, job. I quite like my iPad here. Yeah. <laughs> quite easy. Quite intuitive. He's <laughs> a change man. How many years did you tell me why, why you need a Mac? And so, and so, you know, like I remember there was a basketball coach in New Zealand called, um, who was the basketball coach? Yeah, was great, great guy. Uh, Digby. You remember yeah. Digby or remember he was a quite an outspoken basketball coach? Um, it was Digby. It was Digby, and um, and he was he was an outspoken basketball coach. And and I remember hearing an interview with him on a radio sports show one day, and giving him a bit of a hard time about how he was such an outspoken personality. And and he said, "I see it. My sport, my role in my sport is a to get my team to perform at their best, and b to get as many people loving my sport as possible. And in triathlon, you know, like our communities are pretty small, especially with Ironman. Like how many people in Christchurch really do Ironman? Fifty, a couple hundred. Couple hundred. Well, well, any one season. I've got 38, 38 people coming on my Ironman camp in January. Really? So loving that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you to uh, Ironman New Zealand Charitable Trust for helping. How's your road that. safety gun? Great. We're all sorted. Thirty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but you need people in your sport who are going to encourage people. And you know, when we think about hurdles to overcome, Ironman is the biggest hurdle to overcome. And so when you've got guys like Gene, who are positive, supportive, and getting behind people in his community doing the sport, you know, like for, for Ben, obviously Gene was a really big part of him doing the sport, wasn't he? I'm just going to play some games on my <laughs> iPad here while you're talking. <laughs> I can't even speak, I'm dying here. I'm not, and you're just not, not throwing your bone. What do you think, John? I think Gene's outstanding. I think 1023 is awesome, and I think the fact that he goes out and shares the love and shares some stories out seeing. So, Gene, you are our... Judy. Judy. You are our age, age group, group of the week. week. Okay, sponsor Extreme Endurance. John, what are you talking about? Righty-ho, let's pull up my mega show sponsors page. Extreme Endurance. You're loving the Extreme idea. Extreme gut, gut Endurance. If you have participated in a long-distance endurance event, as you probably have, at some point experience gastrointestinal distress like cramping or diarrhea. You know what I never have? By adding 25... GI issues? Yeah. Big time, yeah. Really? Shit, yes. I never have. Really? Yeah. I'm lucky I've got a stomach of steel. But keep going. I know. Um, By adding 25 billion or nine strains of beneficial probiotic cultures during training and competition, you will help with maintaining a healthy balance, and intestinal flora to assist minimising GI distress. So if you want to get yourself some extreme gut endurance, um, the auto ship price $21.95, check it out at xendurance.com, or if you're elsewhere in the world, just uh, put your country code on there and they'll sort you out. So go to xendurance.com. And I've started a promo page on I Am Talk. What do you mean? I put up all the promo codes. You told me to do it. I oh, don't. you did. Good work. So um, there's no promo code for the ex- um, Extreme Gut Endurance. They have the promo code at the moment for um, Extreme Omega. For any of our promo codes, for any of the sponsors, go to imtalk.me and they're all up there. Good work. Love In general, work. they're all imtalk, except for Extreme Endurance, which is Omega Talk. Now, guys, one thing is, if you are someone who has those problems, it destroys your race, doesn't it? Oh, totally. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> not going to stop we're going to be here for four hours I'll be an expert at this by the end of it um, but seriously like I remember Ian Scott used to always get it didn't he mm-hmm. poor bugger it's because he went too hard well but also he was pooing yes that's true yeah so yeah, it wasn't yeah. just the fact he was going too hard yeah yeah and you know like, if you ask someone that destroys your race give it a try give it a try you know and uh, that saves you from having those problems in a race because it slows you down man that kills your race doesn't it exactly yeah Next up, we've got our interview with Barry Siff. We're going to do an intro when we do the interview, so here comes Barry.
Okay, Barry, so here we go. Righty-ho, this week's show, um, we've got a man who's coming out of the triathlon hotspot of the world, Boulder, Colorado. He's an Ironman. He uh, races on the with the Team Timex team. He's a triathlon promoter. He's uh, organised a whole bunch of running races, cycling races, triathlon events. He's a writer. He's an administrator with, uh, with Triathlon USA, and so he's... Uh, probably has a great perspective on athletically administrating and uh, and race organising, so I can bring a lot to the table. So his name's Barry Siff, so welcome along to the show, Barry. He's also an avid listener to uh, I Am Talk. Oh, oh look at that. He's a wise God. man then. He's, he's, he's got, <laughs> he gets good IQ points as well. Hey, Barry, we, um, we talked, we've talked, your name's come up on the show um, from, from time to time and, and more recently um, with regards to the hit series. And it's, it's not a series that gets uh, a, a lot of media coverage. And, and Bevan and I often talk about it because we look at the size of the fields and we go, is this really Ironman focused? What, what are they doing? And, and we know the first couple of races, was a few things that didn't quite go right and then they managed they've been building quite nicely but we're really not quite sure on on what the mission is with the the hits races and and what they're trying to achieve because you've got Ironman you've got Challenge you've got Rev in the States and where do they sort of fit in the market so can you sort of tell us about what the series series is where it's sort of looking to go and and what what its focus is? Yeah, I sure can, and and I can also say that that seriously, I listened to your show this past, you know, recently when you did talk about hits, and I think you placed it really well. You look at Challenge, you look at Ironman, you look at Rev, you look at some of the others, and you know they're trying to hit everybody. They have pro prize purses, uh, they're kind of high end, um, and and most of them, you know, wonderful, wonderful events. Hits is very clear. They're they're a participation event, and uh, and and that's why their trademark is a distance for everyone. And so, yeah, they went. You know, when I saw them come on board a year ago, and they've only been you know around for a year, I was like, wow, going after a, a little sprint race all the way up to an Ironman every weekend in America—it's kind of crazy. And uh, I, I would still probably say that. <laughs> <laughs> and the numbers didn't surprise me. You know, when I when I looked at the results way back, you know, six, seven, eight months ago, and saw. You know, 20 people doing the Ironman. I was like, with well, a long distance race. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's not surprising. But I think the the thing that speaks most to where they're headed and what their vision is and what our vision is, I should say, is bringing people into the sport. Um, the thing I think that Tom Struzieri, the the owner of these races, is most proud of is that well over a thousand people have done the free little mini sprint triathlon. Every weekend, they offer this opportunity to do a very short swim, a very short bike, a very short run for free. And you get to say, oh, I did, I did a triathlon. Well, we've done that for over 1,000 people. So that's pretty cool. Mm. And, and, and I think that that's the direction. Um, yeah, they, they definitely got off to a rocky start. But the accolades and the praises since then have been very, very strong. Uh, in July, they did a race in Colorado where a number of my friends who have done my races and so they have, you know, good perspective on on high quality races. Said these these were as good as you know most. I mean, their 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 hearts are in the right place. Their passions in the right place. I think we just got to uh, got to figure out what that vision is and make it happen. You, you know, um, I remember when you guys first came, or when Hits first came into the scene. You know, they got a bit back of the, the, the horses, isn't it? They've got mm-hmm. so so obviously they've got a bit of financial money behind them, so that they can actually. 
yeah. build, you know, because often with these smaller races, they come on board, but, you know, you, you've got to run at a loss for a period of time before you actually could build a brand that's actually recognised in a few years of racing. Yeah. You know, having that backing is obviously an important part of them being around five years from now and being a brand that everyone will kind of know. Yep. Um, they are financially extremely strong. Hits has, is the largest equestrian event producer, I believe, in the world. I know in North America, but I believe in the world. The, the weekend I went to meet with with them out in upstate New York, there were over 2,000 horses wow. at one of their shows. And these, these horses fly in from everywhere. I mean, it's, it's a, they drive in and fly in. I mean, this is big money. They have, they have uh, one or two events that have million-dollar purses. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys, they've got more tents than – they've got probably 10 times as many tents and trailers and everything else as Iron Man. So they're, they're great at event producing – and the story is, uh, Tom, the owner, basically got into triathlon a few years ago and fell like like all of us, got addicted, fell in love with it, and 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 followed his passion. He said, "I want to bring this to the world." So he's he's committed. Believe me. And I know there's been a lot of scuttlebutt. You guys kind of made a few comments. Others have made comments. Boy, when they they came out with this new pricing system, it was like like is it a fire sale? Mm. And quite the contrary, I think they've uh, really stepped back and. Man, the timing couldn't have been perfect. It was planned well in advance in New York, but the announcement came right after New York and the $1,200 price tag to do that race. And, John, I heard you mention, you know, that if, you know, some of your athletes, if they were in, in the States, and, you know, these races are tremendous training events. You know, hmm. you might have Ironman, you know, Lake Placid or something as a goal, but if you can get in a half or a full in a, in a nice, um, nice, well run setting, for 150 bucks or whatever, my mm. gosh. Mm. And it seems that when we have talked about the races and we go on the website, they do seem to pick um, venues that, that look pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they're not big city. They're certainly not New York or, or Boston or Chicago or anything, but they're, they're nice locations. They're easy to, you know, much easier to permit. And it allows for a costing structure that, you know, can make these races profitable given a certain number of uh, participants. So, you know, I, you know, I think the naysayers are, are there and, you know, we're always going to have that. But I, I think uh, 2013 will be extremely positive. And, you know, there seems to be a little bit of shift in this whole triathlon world, what people are looking for and who's getting into it, et cetera. So, just around the, the iron distance race, so, you know, we look at this from an Ironman perspective and say, right, there's 20 people on the start line or there's 50 people or 100 people. So their focus is is, is basically on the full range of events and uh, the Ironman is, is there, but that's not a big, big driver for them? It's definitely not. You know, it's not all about the Ironman distance. It's about every distance. And i got to be honest, the, probably the distances that make – them personally more happy are the shorter distances because those are the people who are new coming into the sport. Mm-hmm. And whether you talk to Barry Siff or Tom Stewart, <coughs> Messick, um, we all want to bring people into the sport. And uh, unfortunately, Ironman's bringing a lot of people into the sport immediately into the Ironman distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, I, I'm sure you'd agree that's probably not the mm-hmm. best thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think these guys are offering a lot of opportunities for, for different distances and, and, and again, for the kind of the, the regular triathlete, perhaps. What about for the pro side of things? Is that a focus for them, um, saying that that may come further down the track or it's very much participation-based? 
So I haven't I haven't seen that at all. You know, I've I've only been on board for a short period of time, and my focus has been on the new endurance health style health health lifestyle running series, which is what I'm going to be responsible for in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we certainly talk about the triathlon side quite a bit. I, I don't see any focus right now on the on the professional side. Mm-hmm. There there, are, as evidenced, you know, recently with with some of the pro fields at the Ironman events. Um, it's getting spread pretty pretty thin. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend anybody. I, I think it's quite ample for the professional triathlete, at least in the United States right now. Um, I wouldn't go into that market. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you've been around a sport for a while, so and you have pretty good insight into the sport. You know, the discussion we had on the show a few weeks ago was the idea of does our sport even need the pros? You know, sure, maybe in a Kona, but in other races, most people are just turning up to go through their own personal experience. What do you think the implications for the pro athlete is, 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 is around that discussion kind of going forward? Well, I, I just think there'll be some consolidation of events. I think it has gotten quite thin and sparse. You know, I, I had a series of events here in Boulder that I sold to Ironman three years ago, and that's why I haven't done anything for three years. I had a non-compete, and now I, you know, right as soon as it ended, I was able to do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and that's get back in the business you know, we had $85,000 in prize money in, in our small races here in Boulder. So we were very pro-oriented. Um, and I think that's really important. I think the professional aspect of the sport is very, very important. I love it. I support them tremendously. But right now, when I look at some of the fields that are, you know, that are happening, whether it's, you know, Louisville or Canada or, you know, any any of these, you know, they're all great athletes, but the, the, the level, the quality, um, is just not quite as strong as it was in the past. And I'm not sure what that does for the sport. You know, it's great when a Rennie or a Ferris or a, you know, Cam Brown show up. Um, but, you know, if they don't, I'm not sure what that does for, for a race. Barry, Barry, you obviously have an insight that most listeners would never have. You know, you've ran some pretty successful events. Yeah. Based on your opinion, <laughs> and this may yeah. be a hard question you may not want to answer, what do you think Ironman should really be basing on the numbers that you probably would assume they put into a race for participants, price of fat? Where do you think they should be paying their pros for the race, for races? Well, <laughs> I'll also say I have a financial interest in Ironman's success, um, having sold my races to them and, and having a little little involvement with them still. Uh, so I want them to succeed. I, I, I'm not one. I know that that listeners on your show, as well as yourselves, I think, have talked about you know these million dollar purses. And until we do that, I think we've got to. I don't know what the chicken and the egg kind of thing. Whether you get the media first or whether you put out those purses. I know, for example, and, and you talked recently about not being financially successful in New York. I think that's very true. I don't think that was a very successful race. Um, the cost of putting on these events is enormous. It really, really is. And Ironman in particular, because they staff them so strongly. I mean, uh, just as an example, I put on the, the very big Boulder Peak Triathlon here in Boulder for years. And yeah. hugely successful, very safe. We had a couple ambulances. We had doctors. We had all this stuff. Well, Ironman comes in. It's these little things that Ironman does very, very well, particularly on the safety side that go unnoticed. You know, they where we would have two or three ambulances, they'd have five or six. I mean, where they have, you know, where we would have, let's say, 20 or 30 lifeguards, they might have 50. Uh, they, but the thing I guess I'm getting to is they bring in a lot of people. They bring in a lot of equipment. And uh, their expenses are very, very high as a result. Their overhead is very, very high. Um, not sure I'm answering your question. I guess on the prize purse question, uh, you know, do I think 
25, you know, Ironman Canada, $25,000 for, you know, that's embarrassing. I think that's horrible. Uh, I think 100000 is, you know, $75,000, $100,000 prize purse for your average or good uh, Ironman is good. Uh, and then you've got to go up from there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to, to know how the, sort of the Ironman races work now because, you, as you said, you sold out the your five four three zero sports um, your your Boulder race to to turn into a seventy point three over there. So, can you sort of explain to listeners that how races work, or maybe how they did work and how they work now in terms of the? I think it used to be sort of run under license, whereas now most well, a lot of events now are run by Ironman so can you can you sort of explain how that used to work how it works now and and maybe where the buck stops with in terms of um, events yeah well I think in the past I mean I can look back way in the early 90s and you know Colorado just just in the state of Colorado there were three Ironman qualifying events two are no longer around and one was the Boulder Peak Triathlon that was of course back in the days when Olympic distance races you know, you could qualify for Ironman just by doing an Olympic distance race. Mm. And and those events back in the 90s, you know, would buy slots from Ironman, from WTC or back then from Ironman. And, and, uh, Can I ask, and ask what you'd pay for a slot pick in those days? Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. I, I, I can honestly say, but because um, uh, I wasn't running it at that time. Okay, sorry. Yep. It might have been, you know, a few thousand dollars. Maybe it's 5,000, maybe it's 10,000. Yep. I mean, that brought the field. I mean, there's just no question about it. Um, and 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 Ironman just started seeing. I think it was in the days of Ben Furtick, and certainly with Messick. Um, you know, the 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 race directors like myself were making some pretty good money. Uh, you know, the successful races. If you're a successful event organizer, do a high high quality race with great customer service and great bells and whistles and a super course, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can be successful. That's you know bottom line. I mean, the, there are some very successful race organizers uh, in the states and elsewhere, and Ironman just said, "Why are we sharing the wealth?" I think, and so they they started looking to acquire and own their own races, which only you know makes total business sense as long as you can keep them up to a high standard. And I think at this point, come you know August September of 2012, that's the question: is is has Ironman you know, I'm just posing the question like you guys do a lot. You know, has Ironman gotten too big? You know, buying USM and 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 getting you know getting all over the world and having so many races. And you know, when are they going to expand Kona, for example? I mean, it's it's bursting at the seams when the slots go down. When is when's the day going to come when you know age groupers are going to only be able to qualify at Ironman? And maybe there's a point system. Who knows? It's just going to get tougher and tougher. And you know, as long as the numbers are where they are. So, so tell us a bit about the Boulder scene. You know, uh, as Bevan alluded to, I think last week I've never been there. Why? Why haven't you been to Boulder? You're a triathlete. <laughs> I haven't been to Boulder. Um, yeah. We obviously know it's 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 a great um, a great venue in terms of you know you've got great facilities, you've got fantastic training. You're you're at, at altitude. Um, uh, is it just a is it is this an affluent? Is it? I'm assuming Boulder is a pretty affluent sort of place, and it's just everything sort of fits in perfectly. Just to be a training mecca. You know, it, it really is a great place. Um, I wrote a story for Triathlon Multisport in Australia a couple of years ago on on Boulder when when I remember Emma Moffat came over and her brother had just done one of my races. I think it was Chris Moffat, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure, yeah. Oh. yeah. Was just, Emma was just a, uh, a very, very young 
gal who was with the team and they came over and trained and you know the, the country they they were asking why why boulder the community is just so receptive to endurance sports and it has been for so long there are plenty of places at 5430 feet elevation uh, that's where the name 5430 sports yep. came from <laughs> and so there are there are you know, plenty of places at that elevation. Colorado Springs is at 6,000, and the Olympic Training Center is there for the whole United States. So you've got great places. But Boulder really just wraps their arms around endurance sports. I was just the local race director for the USA Pro Cycling Challenge, which just happened here. And we had the largest crowds in the history of American pro cycling wow. ever. ever. We, we had in excess of 150,000, 200,000 people um, watching and cheering uh, these professional cyclists. It's a community that supports it. We've got phenomenal bike fitters, some of the best in the world. Um, you know, Retool was started here, Boulder Center for Sports Medicine. I, I remember when Torborn Simbali, uh, you know, had broken the course record, the bike course record in Kona, and I go into the Boulder Center of Sports Medicine a week after Kona, and here he is getting a bike fit. Mm. Now, do you appreciate that? I mean, he just set the bike course record in Kona, flies over, to Boulder to get a bike fit because wow. wasn't you know, wanted to see what was you know and he comes from Boulder you know in the past uh, past five or six years I mean eighty percent I wrote it down in anticipation of this discussion but eight out of the last ten male and female Kona champions you know train in Boulder mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point. You know, like obviously there's environment and stuff, but is it also what, what's the culture like with the athletes? Because you know, I, I, you know, as you say, you get all the gurus here, and I imagine that draws all second tier and, and even just top age groupers who want to come be to live that experience. What is the culture within the athletes here? Well, within the athlete, I mean, you have your little, you know, so and so trains with so and so. I mean, the only common denominator, most of them swim at Flatiron Athletic Club. So the swim, the master swim groups are pretty just out of this world and and anybody can go in them you can if you came if joe blow from you know from taupo comes to to comes to boulder you can you know buy a day pass to go to flower athletic club find out what time dave scott's class is at and just jump in and next to you will be you know everybody i mean wow. lanes five and six are just loaded and that's every day so the swimming everybody's together but for cycling you know you've got crowey i mean crowey does his his thing, and he's got his people that surround them and do whatever he's doing. Um, and you've got just different groups of people who train together, but everybody sees each other because the the popular routes are the popular routes. There aren't, you know, there's some classic routes that everybody does. You know, I was out there yesterday, for example, and the last two times I've been out cycling, Tim O'Donnell has been out running, for example. Um, and and you see them every day, everybody. Uh, and and it's a it's a real positive culture. I think everybody gets along for the most part, but they definitely hang out with just you know f- friends here and there. This year we've had a lot of new faces come in. I mean, Ferris is here for the first time, and Cam Brown is here right now, and mm-hmm. um, you know from from New Zealand. I mean, Cam and 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 the guy that I really like, who I've gotten to know, is Callum Millward. Oh yeah, yeah, Callum Millward. Uh, Look out for him on the seventy point three circuit. Yeah. Boy, I mean, he's, you know, I, I think he's got a great future. Mm, uh, mm. He's headed up to the 70.3 Worlds. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's just uh, it's just a good place. You know, you've got great massage therapists. You have lots of health food stores. I mean, lots of – everybody will comment and tell you great coffee shops, um, good places to hang out. 
and it's pretty low key. You know, it is a small town atmosphere with some amazing running trails and cycling. The the not the best swimming facilities whatsoever. Um, there's only one 50 meter pool in town, and it's just okay. We have the Boulder Reservoir has some open swims. I mean, we have a stroke and stride on Thursday nights. It's just kind of a casual thing, and. You know, Melissa Rollison and Ferris <laughs> won it the last two weeks. <laughs> you just never know who's going to show up, but yeah, it's pretty cool. We're just going to pause the interview for a second just to talk about Coffees of Hawaii, John. What's, what's on your little mega, right. uh, mega list here? My mega list here, I'm going to have to click on that one there. Is that going to give me a new tab? What's good about John having the iPad is he finally gets the internet at the home, at the studios as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah, oh, it didn't, didn't give me a new tab. Right, somebody sent us through these. You can um, do that in your settings. Okay. Yep. Somebody sent us through some, some, some coffee facts. John, I'm not happy. Why not? I've stolen your job. <laughs> you have. The coffee fact was my thing. Okay. In the last four weeks, well, you, you're coming with these coffee facts. Okay. No, well, that's okay. I'll just okay. go over here and suck my thumb. Okay. You can, you can read off my iPad if you want. Yep. Um, so I'm going to give the person who sent these through a bit of love, but some coffee facts. Four cups of coffee a day reduces the chance of getting type 2 diabetes by 50%. Really? Plus three additional cups reduces the risk by seven percent. So if you have seven cups, that's a lot of coffee, isn't it? I I assume this is all factual. This is the medical benefits of being addicted to coffee. Don't give them away this week, John. I'm not going to. Just give that one this week. HappyToServeYou.com.au. So there goes one. We're just going to do one coffee fact, are we? Well, because we will run out eventually. Okay, we'll just do one. So there you go. If you want to avoid getting diabetes, seven cups. Have some coffee per day. Seven cups. That is quite significant. That is a lot of coffee. Yes. But for Coffees of Hawaii, that's brilliant. So it if is. you are going to have seven cups of coffee a day, check mm-hmm. out Coffees of Hawaii. Go on there, go to coffeesofhawaii.com, choose your coffee, and then go to I am taught codes for the discount, and you'll get the discount, won't you, John? I did, and I've had these um, discounts validated by uh, by Albert. So we've got a couple of discounts on there. One is I am talk. It gets you 20% off anything. And... If you spend over $90 in their shop, do a big shop up, shipping's free anywhere in the world. Really? I'm pretty sure. Let me just check that. Our sponsors, promo codes. Use code IMTALK for 20% off and free shipping on orders over $90 anywhere in the world. Sweet. Love you way. So guys, you need your seven cups of coffee, get rid of that diabetes, go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Okay, here's Barry Sif back on. What was it like for you, Barry? You know, you obviously built these events that, you know, I imagine were your babies and, you know, you, and your business and your life and all the rest of it and you, and you sell your business away and um, and you also had non-compete so you're kind of restricted to what you do for three years. What was it like yeah. letting, letting go of your babies? Because I imagine, you know, there was a lot emotionally attached to, to you know, the thing you had built. You know, I, I really appreciate, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised you would ask that, Brevin. <laughs> Having gotten to know you over the last five or six years, you know, uh, the sensitivities. I, I At first, everybody said that. And I was like, are you kidding? I'm ecstatic. It was like, you know, God, I mean, you know, Iron Man's been my dream. I love them. What a great legacy. Well, then the second year, I started missing it quite a bit. And this last year was really, really, really tough. I mean, really tough because I was still involved. I would go and do some of the announcing and the awards presentation because I know literally everybody hits mm. the podium. And I know stories. So when they get up on the podium, I would tell stories about everybody. I remember 10 years ago when you, you know, tripped coming up the stairs or whatever. And people love that. But, you know, it is a change. And and I wasn't, uh, I definitely got emotionally a little bit, I guess, more troubled this year and couldn't wait for the non-compete to end. And and quite frankly, I didn't even go to the 70.3 this year. It was the first time I didn't make it to one of the Boulder races probably in the last 10 years. Wow. 
I just couldn't, I just couldn't deal with it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about moving on and, you know, letting Ironman do what they do. And I did take back the name 5430 sports. We negotiated where I have the name back and, and a, a great trivia question for you guys up until this year, Ironman owned a 2K run, a 3K run, and a one-mile run in Boulder, Colorado. Mm. And they on. Uh, but I took those back this year. Wow. Very nice. Um, one, one of the other things you're involved in is, is with the, um, the USA Hall of Fame. And, and we know that this, this last year being was a, a really year. big year because um, you had Melina, Tinley, and Mark. Mark Allen, along Mark. with Sally Edwards and somebody else's name who eludes me right now. Um, exactly. t- tell us about how the USA um, Hall of Fame works and who sort of sits on the board that decides who's in, who's out, or not who's out, but who, who's, who's in and, and how it all that, works. That's so funny you ask because I can remember uh, you did a Legends and man, oh man, oh man. You know, I've been in the sport since 86 um, and so – you know, I loved when you came up with your idea of the legend show and your interviews on there have been nothing short of spectacular. And anybody listening who hasn't listened to those, I haven't listened to Mike Plant yet, but um, these have been great, great interviews. But I did chuckle when, when uh, Tinley and I, I think especially Tinley, it might have been Mark Allen also, or Molina, no, Molina, uh, they, you know, they didn't have a clue as to how they got selected or what it meant. <laughs> And sometimes things are said on your show that are really kind of bizarre, um, you know, because just may not be true. And, and the USA Triathlon Hall of Fame was started about four years ago and to recognize the, the legends of our sport. Mm. It was to recognize not only legends like the Big Four, for example, although Karen Smyers was the first professional athlete inducted before Dave Scott and before any of the other guys. Um, uh, it also recognizes contributors. So Vern Scott, Dave's dad, uh, was in that first class because he helped form the federation back, you know, way back when. Uh, and also age groupers are recognized. So every year there's an age group legend that's recognized, someone who's, you know, maybe has 11 world gold medals um, and is, you know, is 80 years old or 75 years old or whatever. And then Contributors like Mike Plant, for example, or or uh, this year Sally Edwards, who's done so much for the sport. And there's a committee. You know, it's a typical bureaucratic thing where we've got a committee represented by professional athletes, age group athletes, race directors. You know, it's and and everybody who gets inducted gets to vote. So okay. So so it's become this big. So Molina and Tinley and those guys are all going to get to vote this year on on who's next. Uh, okay. So it's pretty cool. It's a huge group of voting people. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, you know, we hit the big names. And now the question is, you know, how long can you keep, you know, when you start hitting the big four and Pig and Smyers and these guys, when do you run out? You know, it's pretty, it's an amazing group of athletes. But um, there's also contributors, et cetera. And it's a, it was a great uh, deal this year. It was done at the ITU weekend in San Diego. 350 people it was sold out i'm the mc for the event it was really really exciting and lance armstrong as a matter of fact um no one talked about this i was kind of surprised i had seen lance the weekend before in st croix and had a, a lot of time to spend with him and he was supposed to come to the hall of fame banquet as a surprise special guest because he he was really close with melina 
and uh, in back in the day. And he sent us a video. He couldn't make it, of course, at the last minute, you know, yada, yada. But he went out of his way to give us a, a two-minute kind of video. So that's how we kicked off the night. Oh, wow. And it was really cool. And I still have it, as a matter of fact. And Lance said, you know, he's always been a triathlete. And what people don't realize is a triathlete won the Tour de France seven times. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, um, so what you're sort of saying is if we lobby enough people, we could get Bevan in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's my goal, mate. Go. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Melina, I know Melina. Come on, Melina. Vote for me. We've just got to interview every person that's in there, put a bit of grease work in. That's right. We'll 20 get, years from now, mate, we're going to get in this Hall of Fame. We'll get you in there, like Bevan. It. Keep growing the audience. Um, I like it. One other thing I'm, I'm keen to discuss is um, you're on the, the board of the USAT, um, so the Triathlon Governing Body in the States. Right. Uh, uh, tell us a bit about, I don't know, maybe some of your frustrations. I mean, I'm, I'm sure sitting on that you guys get given a lot of grief about this, that and the other thing. But having said that, USAT seem to be incredibly strong and doing some fantastic things. But um, I'm sure you guys get a lot of grief at times. So what are some of the things that maybe you'd like to share with some of the American listeners that, that actually is going on inside USAT and, um, I don't know, maybe the progress you're going, the, the progress you're making or some of the, maybe answering some of the rumblings you see around when you're getting criticised and say, hey, that's not, not quite fair. So just a bit of info on, on USAT. You know, I, I like I said, I've been in, in the sport since 86 and I wasn't ever – heavily involved with USA Triathlon or TriFed as it was originally called. I was one of those guys who was pretty critical of it and, you know, found fault with everything and and was never happy with a lot of the decisions and where they were headed. Um, And then finally, about four years ago, when I was at one of their race director symposiums, I got totally fed up when they weren't going to support promoting sustainability at events because I was big on greening events. We were one of the first uh, businesses in America that was doing totally sustainable events. And so I said, you know, I better get involved. And since then, um, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I had a smile on my face when you were posing the question because, yeah, it's very frustrating. It's a, it is a political situation. You've got 11 members of the board of directors who make a lot of pretty important decisions. Um, Rob Urbach, who's the, the executive director, is tremendous. He's been on board for a little over a year. He's done a great job instrumental in bringing the San Diego ITU race to fruition and and that was just a spectacular event you know mending the bridges between helping mend the bridges between ITU and USA Triathlon those are the kinds of things we're doing i mean we've grown to over 150,000 you know dues paying members not counting one day you know members mm. um, so a very very strong successful organization but yeah, a lot of a lot of issues i don't even know where to start and we try to <laughs> tackle them i mean i'm on calls every week, conference calls and meetings and yada yada. And the board is comprised of a couple race directors like myself. A um, couple, you know, three elite athletes are on the board. A uh, couple people who, you know, have been involved with triathlon for 20, 30 years who were race officials. It's a, it's a good mix of people, but um, it's kind of like what I always say about my wife. Nothing's easy. <laughs> do you say that to her or just about her? Who <laughs> and about or doing something in Boulder, trying to get something done in Boulder because it's so politically, you know, hip and liberal and blah blah blah. Trying to get something done is never easy, and um, I think that's the way it is with USAT. But but I think we're making some great progress, and the future's bright. Our elite program, you know, needs some drive. You know, uh, Lucas, you know, getting hurt was really a setback. Yeah. Um, 
but we've got a great young program. I think that 2016 looks really bright for us. Mm. But, you know, I, I love watching that. IT, I, I'm a huge ITU fan, huge. Mm. And, um, you know, the rest of the world is looking bright too. So it's going to take, take a lot to start dealing with, with some of the younger people around, around the world too. You kind of lead into my next question, you know, like I, I was kind of considering, you know, when we look at the American triathlete in the pro scene, you know, if we look to, and John and I, we've kind of pre-recorded the next month's shows when we were doing a history of, of Ironman, really, the champs. And, you know, up until, you know, the late 90s or even probably the early 90s, America really dominated triathlon. And and really, since the boom, in, in long course at least, we haven't really seen the great American athletes coming through. And, you know, it's not that it's not a well-participated sport. So we do you see with your insight where you guys are maybe falling off the wagon and really producing those those top end athletes you know i i don't i don't i don't really know i mean i see the future in the high in the longer distance i've been saying this for the last two years you know emma snowsill who's my absolute unequivocal favorite mm. triathlete i mean my wife and i just think she she was the best ever and i interviewed her three or four years ago i can picture sitting with her and asking her about Ironman and her plan unequivocally was to do Ironman after, after London. Um, huh. I can quote, you know, I can say that. And in fact, there was a chance she would have done it in my opinion in 2011, if everything was going well, there was a chance the glean was in her eye, but she absolutely was going to do Ironman. And I have said since then, when <clears> London was done, the future of these long distance races, when you look at Lisa Norton and Nicholas Spearig and, mm. you know, and just talk about the women, but we we love the women's side of that sport. You know, you can picture these guys going to the longer distances. Well, we're not excelling on our side in the states at that at, at any of those distances, and it is frustrating. You know, Tim O'Donnell is is terrific, but you know, I don't know if he can run at you know a two thirty nine, you know, coming off a you know four low four twenties bike or something. Um, and there are a lot of people who can start to do that now. So I, I don't have an answer. It has been frustrating. You know, Tim DeBoom is the last, I think, is the last uh, American. Yeah. Yep. Of course, he's still, he lives here. And we see, he, uh, he's still, still working out really hard as always. But I, I don't know what's next. I don't, I don't think, I don't see a, a super bright future. I'd love to say that. And I'm sure, I'm not trying to diss anybody, but. Um, so, so why do you think that is? Why is it, you know, like, because if you've got 150,000 members of your, you know, your triathlon association, the USAT, um, yeah. why is the cream not getting to the top? I don't know. You know, we've got tremendous age group. I mean, this year at Worlds in, in, in New Zealand, I'm sure that the United States will take, I, I think the United States will take the most medals, mm. um, I believe, at the age group level. Mm. But it just isn't happening at the pro level. You know, I look at some how some of these guys race, and again, you know, I'm an armchair quarterback or whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, backseat driver. <laughs> backseat driver, exactly. But I look at someone, and I'm going to pick on him because I love the guy and his wife, but Maddie Reed. I mean, you look at Maddie Reed, it made enormous potential. Oh, not potential, just a phenomenal athlete. But he raced every distance, you know, a ton of races. And back in the day, like when you talked with Molina and Tinley, that they that was good in the eighties, you know, and that was good in the early nineties. But the people who are winning now, like, you know, Crowey and stuff, you know, they're focusing. They're focusing on just a few races. They've got great sponsorship deals. They can afford to do that. And I don't think some of these other people are doing that. I mean, I gotta believe if someone like Matt Reed had 
really substantial sponsorship maybe, you know, two years ago and was able to focus on, on Ironman or able to focus on the 70.3 distance, I think we would have uh, certainly had some great talent there. But I don't know. They seem to be spreading themselves pretty thin in my opinion. And then if he, if he had won, New Zealand could have claimed the victory. We would have. We, we, we do that in New Zealand. We claim any victory. Australia could have claimed the victory and America could have claimed the victory. It would have been I'm a – Fantastic <laughs> tripartisan sort of victory. It would have been great. I uh, appreciate that, <laughs> Barry. So you, you've got um, you know, you got you got some different things happening. You just talked about the the pro cycling challenge that I think recording wise was actually finished uh, yesterday or the day before in, in Boulder. Yeah. Um, this isn't going to be out for another week or so. But what are, what other things do you want to promote that you're doing that is going to be coming up in Boulder? Oh God, I don't need to promote. You know, well, <laughs> nice. I, I'm definitely a promoter, but no, I'm, I'm excited about hits. You know, I've been spending a lot of time, obviously for the last 18 months, putting together the, the race that took place just this week on the pro cycling challenge in Boulder. That was off the charts, biggest event I've ever been associated with and, and definitely the most successful. Now it's all about hits. You know, I, I want to see them grow. I want to see us grow looking forward to the running festivals. And I, all I would say is, as you've said, John, you know, if, if people are looking for a good kind of low key, a safe and well-run triathlon event at any distance, whether it's for racing or training, I would check it out. I mean, the the, price, the new pricing structure is amazing, but even you know without that, I mean, next for example, I'm going to do the half in New York on September 22nd and check it out personally. You know, I'm going to race it and then work the other events and get a feel for it. And I think we'll, uh, you know, those events are going to grow, and I would just promote those. That's all. Awesome. And certainly welcome you. If you guys ever do make it to Boulder, I, I can at least give you a bed to sleep in. Yeah. One day, one day we'll get there, mate. When we get into Hall of Fame, hopefully they have the awards ceremony there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time, Barry. I'm going to be tapping your shoulder from time to time for some uh, assistance with uh, the Legends of Triathlon podcast, so you may become a, a regular contributor on the show from time to time. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. That would be my honor. And, and hey, thanks a lot for what you guys do for the sport of triathlon. It's really great. And uh, I know it's in your heart and soul. And that's what I always look for. So good on you. Awesome. Hey, thanks, mate. Thanks, Barry. What'd you think? Outstanding. I've got Boulder Envy. Got to get to Boulder one day. You've never been there? Never been there. Really? No. That's crazy. I haven't been that many places in America. <laughs> but you're a triathlete. Yeah. So you? Well, not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Good interview. Thank you, Barry. Yep, love your work. Um, John's history lesson, or we talk about... John's history lesson. Okay, I'll put some music on. John's history lesson brought to you by trainingpeaks.com. And so 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 obviously I'm in Europe right now. Now what's the date today? 4th of September. I'll be in Paris. Yeah. Of Joe. Have you got your um your visas for France? What do you mean? They've changed the bloody rules. Don't even say that to me. Let's try. I'm there, John. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> You're full of crap. 
<laughs> you almost had me for a second there. You just couldn't hold it long enough. So um, I think we're going back to day one in Kona, and we're going back to look at the first uh, five or six years of Kona and just remember who took out the races. So, so at this time in the sport, if you listen to the Legends show, you probably know by now the sport was still pretty niche. Uh, it was starting to get a bit of, if you listen to Mike Plant's interview, it was starting to get some mainstream coverage from the, what was the series that was happening? The USTA series and, in, in the and 80s. There was a, and then what was the sports, sports Illustrated did a big piece in, on Ironman and that. Mm-hmm. And that also started to draw people into the sport. So at this stage in the sport, we're still very much a niche sport. Nothing like today. No technology. No prize money. No prize money. A few keen people who just kind of love the idea of going and doing this crazy race. And there's some names here that are jumping out at me that we need to get on the show. So 1978, Gordon Haller took it out from John Dunbar and Dave Orlowitzki. Uh, next year, Tom Warren took it out from John Dunbar. So two years in a row, John Dunbar finished second. Was a fairly distant second, though. Um, so just for your guys' knowledge, you know, nowadays the record, what can we go? 805, 807, something like that. Ballpark. So if you wanted to win Kona and you're not that fast, should have gone in 78. 1146. Got to remember, this is on a different course. This will be on the uh, big Honolulu, honor, wasn't it? Honolulu, Honolulu yeah. course. Uh, 1980 was the first time Dave Scott took it out. And the, the jump from 1979, the time was 11.15 by Tom Warren. 1980, Dave Scott went 9.24. That is staggering. And I think that's, you know, like, if we look at the history of Dave Scott, that's where you probably got to get, you know, shit, the guy won the Olympic, I mean, won the Kona World Championship six times. So, obviously a legend. But... His evolution... He set the bar. Yeah, he, every he just every year he just set into more standard. If you watch over the next few years, he just got faster and faster. You know, Iron War, he still did like an 8.0, 8.10, wasn't it? 8.0, something like that. In 1980, he won by one hour from Chuck Newman and John. The first time we see John Howard's name on the list as well, 10.32. And, and he kind of won. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And then John Howard the next year came back in 1981 and he improved his time by nearly an hour and went 9.38. So where was... Where was Dave Scott that time? Who knows? He may not have raced that year. <laughs> okay. And then it, um, Tom Warren was second, and then we see the first time Scott Tinley's name appears in the top three with a 10-12 in 1981. He came back in 82, and he took it out in 9-19, beating Dave Scott back in second but 9-53. Some massive gaps. There must have been some explosions out there because Dave Scott went 9-24 in 1980, and he was 30 minutes slower in, in, uh, in 82. And Jeff Tinley, Scott's brother, finished third that year. Only oh they've got a tie there well, that may be a typo it was not, it's Wikipedia it must be true must be true but they've got Jeff Tinley and Dave Scott's time is exactly the same is eighty two uh, eighty two the February edition yeah, and sure then they had right. the, the October edition they had Dave Scott taking it out in nine oh eight nine oh eight by nineteen eighty two staggering Scott Tinley and Jeff Tinley in third again so Who was the first person to break nine or was that in next week's show. It probably will be, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, no, we'll have a look at that. It must be. Uh, probably Dave Scott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we look at the girls' side of things, there was no racer in 1978. First female ever finisher, I'm assuming first ever, was Lynn Lemaire uh, in 79, went 12.55. Next year, there's only two girls. Robin Beck was first and Eve Anderson was second. And 1981 was when we start to see a few names that have... Um, have really established themselves as the early legends. Linda Sweeney is, uh, is a, lot of t- uh, a lot of people talk about her, Bevan. She was okay. a very good athlete, 11.02. And Sally Edwards, who some, uh, a number of people have recommended we need to get on the Legends show. Pretty sure she's been inducted into the USA Hall of Fame. Um, uh, she, she was second, Lynn Brooks was third. 82, Kathleen McCartney, 11.09. So we're seeing those times coming down. Julie Moss. 
was 11.10. So that was the big one, wasn't it? That must have been the crawl-off, was it? That was, well, well, that was the that one, was, yeah, that was the crawl-off. When she, yeah. Well, you know, she fell and never got past her. And so it was 11.09.40, and second place she was 11.10.09. So, so that's 30 seconds, basically. 30 seconds. And then it looks like, again, a tie for third place with Lynn Brooks and Sally Edwards. Wow. 1982, Julie Leach took it out in 10.54 from Joanne Dakota. And Sally Edwards third there. So Sally Edwards certainly establishing herself as um, one of those consistent performers. So what was really interesting is obviously the size of the field was pretty small because the the gaps between places huge. were huge, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Like if you look at the men's field, even by eighty two, you know Dave Scott won by nearly thirty or twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is at the World Championships, so it wasn't really until the mid eighties that the, the size of the competitors in the field really picked up that it was closer racing, eh? Exactly. But it was, yeah, back in those days, we hear the stories, it would have been pretty small time. It would have been like your local first ever triathlon with just a bike rack and very simple stuff. It would have been Dave Scott came out of nowhere, really. You know, the first, you know, if you look at 79, Tom Warren won it in 11.15. Dave Scott goes 50 minutes faster the next year. Insane. No, 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 sorry, an hour 50 faster. Mm, wow. Huge. That is phenomenal, isn't it? It is. So this is where the Kona build-up starts. Yeah. And when you think about it, if you think about the local guy that you know in your community who does a nine and a half, they're pretty mm. sharp, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You know, like a 9.30 guy is pretty, pretty sharp. What, what was his time there? 9.24. 9.24, so basically the same speed as you. Yeah. In Kona. Oh, a little bit faster, mate. <laughs> a little bit faster. No, I, I was Kona. like 11 in Kona. I had a terrible Kona. Kona conditions... That's a that's a pretty solid. That's time. pretty in a time where he was probably riding a bloody BMX. Yep, no aero bars, never clue about nutrition. Aid stations probably would have been pretty simple. I wish uh, we had a splits. It'd be interesting to know mm-hmm. splits from that time. We'll ask him. I'm sure he'll know them. We have to do legends of him when we're in Kona. You think we can have time for that? Oh, he loves us. <laughs> Dave, he loves us. A lot of us. Yeah, that's the only reason he goes to Kona. So we're gonna have more on this in the next few <coughs> weeks. John, in last week's show, did we talk about the Sweden? Um, disputing the Olympic gold medal? I think that was old news that you sent me earlier in the week. No, but... I we? still think that was old news. Did it, was it? Yeah. It's done and dusted. Oh, really? It's not going to happen? Not going to happen. Okay. So, John, History Lesson proudly brought to you by Training Peaks. Tell us about it, John. So, Training Peaks, um, I did an interview yesterday, which was probably August the 24th, yeah. <laughs> um, and you guys are going to hear that in a couple of weeks' time, with Nell Stevenson, um, and she talks about the paleo diet, and she also talks a bit about Training Peaks, and she's got a number of plans up there, and um, I've, I haven't really explored it too much, but it's a bloody great feature that I've got with their nutritional side of things. You can basically go on there, and you can build a nutrition plan, as well as obviously your training plan. Yes, it takes quite a bit of time, but if you are going through a stage where you do want to um, really try to hone in on nutrition and try to get it right, it's got all these different foods up there and it gives you all the macronutrient um, counts for those foods. And what you can do is if you want to customise um, your own recipes in there, you know, say you want to do lasagna, then it can help create shopping lists and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. So with hers, you buy a plan with hers and then you can export that to a shopping list and you boom, you're off to the supermarket and you, you know exactly what you need to get. Oh, great. So it's cool. So if, you, if you're keen on um, on taking nutrition to the next level and really having a good look at what you, you want to, what you're taking in, um, you can log all your food on Training Peaks. Um, you can then go in and you can, if you've got all the macronutrients um, values in there, you can actually look at that in charts as well, what you're getting in, where your food groups are coming from. So check that out at trainingpeaks.com. If you want to get the premium version, make sure you use the code IMTALK. If you want to give it a try just with the free version, um, just 
go through imtalk.me and click on the Training Peaks logo so they know you're signing up, coming from us. So okay. check it out. Trainingpeaks.com. Um, questions and answers. Now, we've got no questions, but I thought what we could do over this week. Bevan, do you know how long this show is already? Any we've idea? We've got the interview. 38 plus a 30-minute interview. Oh, so is it 30 minutes, is it? So it's already an hour, 18. No, John, we need to have a few questions. <laughs> okay. So, John, I thought what we could do... <laughs> We're not going to get out. I'm not getting my bike ride done, am I? Did you think you were getting a bike ride done today? I'm getting a bike ride done this afternoon. You really? You hope? Yeah, no, I am. <laughs> I've, I've actually come up with that rule this week. A bike ride home? I am training this week, yep. How's that training going? It's going quite Does well. Does it start today or it's, Friday? No, it started on Monday. I'm lost. I've got too many tabs open, Bevan. What are you doing? There we go. No, I'm, I'm okay. You carry on. What's your okay. question? So, because you've got no questions, because obviously we're so far ahead of ourselves. So, what I've done is I've gone to slowtwitch.com mm-hmm. and I'm going to pull out questions from slowtwitch that you have to answer. I need to be prepared. I'm not that kind no, of person. No, well, because okay. I know you're, 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 I'm the winged man, you're the prepared man, but we're going we're to throw it on its head. John, <clears throat> what was the question I saw before, which I thought was quite good? How old is it when you start signing down? Athletic age, after you're probably, I would have thought about 12 athletically, 10, 10 to 12 years athletically. Just give us some more details. Well, if you're if you're starting and you're 50, you're doing your first year of triathlon, you're going to speed up quite a bit. You speed even when, even to when you're 62? Uh, depends how intensive you're going, but I, I don't, yeah, if you're, depends if you're starting from scratch, I'd, I'd potentially say, maybe not 62, but you know, you've got a 10,000 10, 10, 10, hours, 10 years. You keep speeding up. You, you gave up too quick, Bevan. I really didn't. I'd be picking there if I didn't, did I? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think that's a hard question to ask. It kind of depends. If you've been a high-performance athlete for a huge amount of time, then different different question. But if you're new, it doesn't matter how old you are, you've still got quite a bit of improvement in. Okay, John, next question. What is the easiest age group to do well in? And six. Are we talking Ironman here? Are we talking... Yep, Ironman. I would say the childbearing female ages, so in the 30s. Oh, really? 30s? Yeah, I'd say sort of maybe 35 to 39. And girls, don't get angry with me. I'm just trying to think about this logically. Because it eliminates a lot of people. In in running races, for me, the the 35 to 39. That's why you're not going to check that at And I'm doing quite well, placings-wise. If I went into the older age group, 40 plus, I'd be doing worse. So... The childbearing years early, that's where I think the easier easier um, gains are had. 30, 35 to 39. What about young Male years? and female. What oh, about the 20s? If you're, if you're talking iron, man, yeah, it's 20 to 24 is pretty easy. Yeah, well, why didn't you say that one? Well, because you didn't specify what distance you no, wanted no, to go No, I said iron, man. Okay. 20 to 24 is relatively easy. There's some fast people, but it's not as deep. Okay, John. Somebody come back with all the stats to prove me wrong. Oh, awesome. Two questions is enough. Two questions is no, enough. No, no, I got one more. You've got a whole another four shows to go yeah, here, Bevan. Yeah, Twitch, how many posts are there on social Twitch, John? Six. <laughs> Six billion. Okay, John. Real rear wheel choice suggestions, disc cover or not? Disc. Why? Because we talk, we've we've been through this with uh, the guys from Rolf Prima, disc all the way. Why? But give us details. There's not an answer. Because it's faster. Right. Really? Athletics.com. <laughs> really? What about Obama versus Romney? I really don't give a shit about American <laughs> politics. They're all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> oh, you're not going to win friends now. I don't care. Oh, okay. Seriously, it's just comical watching. Well, on Slow Twitch, I'll tell you who they... After you've done the sponsor, I'll tell you who Slow Twitch thinks. Okay. So this weekend, 70.3 Worlds we talked about earlier. 
and uh, some people that are racing at 70.3 Worlds. Chris Haig, Brittany Pierce, Paul Howe, oh, Chin Holtan, Eric Gunn, Harry Nocheter, oh, Rory Spicer, Mick Baldwin, Carolyn Hewitt, Paul Lunn and Fraser Dean. Nice work, all you people. They're all put up on, on athlinks.com. They put the event into their calendars and it shows up um, that they're off to this event. And, uh, Which event is it? It is... Do you not listen to anything I well, say? Because no, I'm a versus Romney. It's a 70.3 world champs oh, this weekend. Stuff. And these guys are going to take down. Bevan Doherty's not winning. These guys are going to take them down. So uh, if you go into athlinks.com, add your events to the calendar, you've got a chance of being read out on I Am Talk. And it's also just a good way of putting your predictions down there. Like Rory Spicer, is he's targeting a 440. That's, that's a solid time on that course. Could, could, could be a bit of heat coming into play. So to go that time on that course could be solid. Paul Lund's going for a 429.59. Nice, it's smoking. So get onto it, athlinks.com. Um, you basically click on the events tab, um, type in the event. If it's not up there, you can create the new event. If it is up there, you can add that event in and you're away laughing <clears throat> and you can put in your predictions there and lay a bit of smack down with your friends. So check it out on athlinks.com. Okay, so I'm on, I'm on slowtwitch.com forums. Do you ever go on there? I don't do forums. <laughs> Oh. Okay, well, slowtwitch.com, they've got an Obama versus Romney and Iron Man, mm-hmm. and they're based it on photos, and I've got to say, you're probably going to give it to Romney. <laughs> yeah, on the, based on that bike there. Based on, okay, look at Obama's swimming style. Yeah, head up. Head up, poor hips te- down. Poor te- look at his arms, they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And then Romney, you don't see him swimming, but he's just got the long wetsuit on, mm-hmm. looks like he knows his stuff. Obama on the bike, what's with the mudguard? <laughs> he's got a shocking mudguard on a 1930s bike, it looks like Mary Poppings. Whereas a, uh, Romney, look at that. Nice. Down nice and low on his drops. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Bummer's running techniques all right. He's got the lean happening, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's nice and relaxed. Romney, he's had a good run, but you don't see him running, but he looks happy at the end of the run, and then Obama's smoking weed at the end. <laughs> so so there you go. So based on look, if the election was based on who was the better triathlete, mm-hmm. based on the photos we see on slowtwitch.com, probably have to give it to Romney. Right. There we go. Nice. Anyway, John, what are you up to this week? This week, I'm in Queenstown this week, Bevan. Oh, great. How's it going? Yeah, I was in Queenstown going, a couple of days ago. good. And I've got another, another race coming up this weekend, oh, I think. Good. Yep, the, the, another 10K. In Queenstown? Gov- Gov- no, in Christchurch. I'm oh. back in Christchurch by the weekend. Great. Governor's Bay 10K. Get to Littleton 10K. Need to va- validate myself to see if I am actually significantly slower than what I thought I did. After my run of the weekend where the GPS measured it at 10.35Ks, if that was accurate, my time wasn't actually too bad. If my GPS was accurate, my time wasn't too bad. If the course was measured accurately, my time was woeful. So I've done this Governor's Bay race before, so I'll actually be able to say, you know, Where compare apples with apples. Jumbo. Oh, yeah? What else? It's up, Bevan. Where, where are you this week? I'm in France. Yeah. I'm yeah. in France. Seen any of Paris yet? Yep, because I'm yeah. staying in Paris. Yeah, but you said you weren't getting out of your bedroom. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah I've seen that in Paris. Yeah. No, what, what was I going to say? I was going to, I was going to say something quite profound, and I've totally forgot what it was. Must have been, must have been awesome. Oh, I would tell you. Oh, that's good. I would have talked about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> this can't be hard work. Let's move on to the next show. We're 46 minutes in, Ben, plus 30 minute interview. This is a long show. Okay, guys. Well, that's uh, this week's show. Next week, we'll be back. My voice will still be a little bit sore. <laughs> and uh, that's all good. John's going to go for a bike ride soon, anyway. So here we go. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.